and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Joe, my good buddy, Elkin Beltry. Oh, I forgot. I'm Richard Davidson. Now, Elkin. Yes, sir. The Indiana Pacers just mollywopped mm. the Oklahoma City Thunder. 152 right? to 95. Unfortunately, you don't get two victories, and in, in, in the, the, the Thunder don't get two losses. Uh, but it, nevertheless, record-breaking day. How you feeling? You know, I felt great when I saw it. I was like, Pacers needed this. Had some players out with injury. But then, Richard, I took a quick look at the box score again and saw who was playing for the Thunder, and I'm like, yeah, we should have definitely beat them. If we lost to them, that would have been that would have been more of some more of a story at that point for me. Just looking at the roster, oh, and I, and just thinking about it, man, the Thunder they're trying to just because they're falling behind in the tanking standings, so they're like, we got to make a push. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for them. I mean, they again, I mean, they find themselves uh, twenty-one and forty-three right now as of this recording time. Um, in the AMs on Sunday, yeah, and unfortunately, there are there are teams with worse with worse records that are just going to be you know tanking better, tanking more, right? They didn't get they didn't get a early enough start on it. Yep. Um. I mean, maybe they can catch Minnesota, depending on. I mean, Minnesota's trying to win games, but uh, you know, of all the teams we mentioned in our, in our last pod, we, t- we talked about the bottom five uh, mm-hmm. at, at that time, and uh, right now Oklahoma City is tied with. Uh, the first team that we're going to talk about today, uh, as we go into the next five, the mediocre teams, mediocre uh, stage, who, who, who are just barely missing out on the play-in as of this recording, mm-hmm. in OKC, tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, sir. Also, twenty-one and forty-three. Now, uh, let's talk about the state of the Cavaliers right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. They are, uh, you know. They got off to a good start. Then things have really just gone downhill. Their core players right now, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, uh, Okoro, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, and I mean, maybe Larry Nance Jr. I mean, he's at, at least, he's had a really good year when he's been healthy. And I don't know how much longer he'll be on this team. I kind of put a question mark there. Yeah. But at least you can make an offer and trade him if you need to, like, you know, you, you, you can send him out and probably get an asset in return. Mm-hmm. I think he was sought after by a few teams at the deadline this year. And so, yeah, those are the core players, along with whoever they end up drafting uh, with this year's pick. Uh, it, the tough part about this core player situation is that Kevin Porter Jr., not in the core players, right? They sent him off for a fake draft pick. Um and he yeah, he drops fifty over in Houston at that point after getting fined fifty k. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's been it's been a roller coaster of yeah. of a ride for for him this year. But but just I think I think one thing too. You look at the core players. First of all, I'm gonna say Sexton Garland. Been loving the way that they've been playing this season. I mean Sexton's been doing really good and the shooting too. I think with Sexton shooting like 30, no, 37% three-point. I think Garland's at 39, and they're getting pretty good amount of attempts up. I've been loving what these guys have been doing. The I don't see these guys as being like superstars in the league, but there's like solid, solid. You got a solid backcourt. Very small backcourt, short backcourt, but I think you have a being there. I do like how they brought in Jerry Allen. I feel like that was a to kind of like they stuck their foot in that Houston Rockets trade, the James Harden trade. It's like, we'll just grab Jared Allen right here. And that was such a nice pickup for them. Because for me, as I, and I think you kind of sense this too, Richard. As soon as they got Jared Allen, you can kind of sense, oh, they're going to cut ties with Andre Drummond at this point. Because, I mean, if you had to pick the two, would you rather have Jared Allen or Andre Drummond? I would rather have Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. And then Isaac Okoro, yeah. I haven't seen much of him. I know he's supposed to be known for his defense. I don't know if you got a chance to watch more game film on him. And give me your thoughts on his first year in the NBA. I mean, I think that it's been about as expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's struggled on the offensive end. Uh, Okoro has. He's you know shooting twenty eight percent from three, forty two from the field. Um, you know, it's just he hasn't really gotten much on that end. But he's 
he's been good defensively, able to guard uh, one through three. And, and so you look at that, and that's especially helpful when you've got that small backcourt. Um, and the tough part right now is that the, the Cavaliers, right now they got a, they're the 24th, they're 24th in defensive rating. Yeah. Earlier on in the season, they were way up there. Yeah, right? they, they were doing they were really up at the good. Top. And like at the beginning of the season when you had, you know, most of your main guys, Kevin Love was obviously gone out at that point. But like Larry Nance, mm-hmm. he's only been able to, you know, play 35 games this season. But he was having an outbreak, se- um, you know, breakout season, uh, especially on the defensive end. Just him. Uh, you know, Drummond at the time when Drummond was locked in at the beginning of the year, and even though they they're you know the small guard lineups that they've got there with with Sexton and Garland, like they were still able to be a top level defense. And so you look and think to yourself, well, you know, a, a, got a Coro, got Nance, and you had Drummond, which now you slide Jared Allen into. The question I think is, okay, what is Jared Allen long term? Uh, up until this point, he's really just been the guy like, oh man, this guy probably should get more minutes mm-hmm. over the people that are ahead of him, but he's still the backup. And it's been until this, this moment right now that he's, you know, been able to, uh, now, now he's actually been able to be in the starting lineup. He's going to get paid this off season. So I, I don't know. It, it'll be, this is a curious case because I also don't think that there's anyone on this roster that precludes you from taking anyone in this upcoming draft right yeah like you, you don't have that guy yet mm-hmm. you kind of look at i mean they have obviously they have their pick this year and we'll get to draft picks later on but just looking at like the way the roster is built it's almost like there's even if you get a guy that can go into let's just say they get they have a chance to get a jalen suggs they're going to get a jalen suggs even though they already have sexton and garland they're going to get a Jalen Suggs for the backcourt. You kind of feel. You think. Yeah. But you never know. They might just go. They might just take a right turn or a left turn and be like, we're going somewhere else. I don't know. They might say we're fine with a backcourt. See, it's tough because, again, there's no one on this team that should preclude you from taking someone else. But there have been some questionable decisions made by this, uh, you know, Kobe Altman front office. Um, yeah. You know, for example. Bad contracts. Got Kevin Love for another <sighs> two years. Uh, two years, sixty million dollars. Right? They are now going to be entering into the situation that the Pistons entered into with Blake Griffin. And so, like now, you can probably look and say, "Hey, you know, Kevin Love. There, there's this option where we maybe can buy you out sometime next year." But that Kevin Love experience has been a little bit tough. Ooh, the game against the Raptors. That the infamous inbound pass. For those of you who didn't see it, Kevin Love looked fed up. And he just threw the ball, and there was a Raptors player right there. And it's kind of a few guys ever seen a bad inbound pass. He just rolled the ball to the opposing player, pretty much, and the guy got a free layup. It, like. it was, it was, it was not 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 a good look in a close in a close game at the time. Mm-hmm. And so you know, there there have been issues, right? You, you give Kevin Love all that money after LeBron James leaves, right? And I mean, you've had some good moves, right? Bringing in, finding a way to bring in Jared Allen. Um, and just slide your way in there. Uh, you know, I like the Okoro pick. Uh, wasn't too thrilled on the um, Sexton Garland backcourt. Like, I don't think it's the next, uh, you know, Dame and CJ uh, McCollum type. Of, like, like they had, like they were thinking. But I, I do wonder here if the the reason why I worry for this team, like like you mentioned, all right, if Suggs is there and we're at three. Like, uh, they should take Suggs over, you know, the guys after. Like, you shouldn't take Kaminga here. But I worry that they're gonna that with Colby Altman having made these selections on Sexton, on Garland, on Okoro, that when they look at it, I feel like if they were put in a spot. Now, maybe they're not gonna put in the, be put in this spot, but I feel like if they were put there, I feel like they would make a decision. Saying, "Hey, we've got Sexton and Garland. We don't want to overstep on those guys' feet. We, we because we drafted them. And if I were to do that, that would be to admit, hey, these aren't my guys going forward. And Kobe Altman, I don't know. I'm not sure what leash he has. I'm not sure. I mean, we we're entering what is it, like year uh, three or four with him. Yeah. And 
you know, that's right about the time where you, you got to make a decision, right? Are you going to be extending him or are you going to be firing him and moving on? And that's, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. They don't have tons of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, and they got $109 million tied up this year. Then you go to 91 and about 26 the year after, right? Yeah. They got to wait like, tied up through these they got to wait at least two years before their cap space really opens up. Yeah. Yep. And, and even, and even looking at their draft prospects, I mean, they have a lot of second round picks going in, and I'll go over those real quick. Those incoming second, they got from Houston a 22 from Houston. These are all second round. A 22 from San Antonio, 22 from Washington, 23 from Denver, 31-46 protected, 25 from Milwaukee, 26 from LA, 27 from Denver, and then a 27 from Utah. And you kind of look at these picks. I mean, you would think that they're not going to keep all these. At the, especially all those 22s, I mean, because there's only so many, and they're going to be losing their 21st second, their 22nd second, and their 24th second. I I feel like they're going to be doing something with these second-round picks, but there's only so much you can do with second-round picks because the value of second-round picks at this point isn't even that high, especially with the way people have been throwing around first-round draft picks and a lot of the trades we've had this year. Yeah, I, I look at these second-round picks and think to myself, all right, well, it's it's nice to have them, mm-hmm. and sometimes they are they end up being the, ah, oh, this trade isn't quite even. Go ahead and throw in a second-round pick, and, yeah. and that way we kind of bump up the... It's so like, if they need to make a trade or something like that, that's fine. But guess what? All those second-round picks, not getting you off of Kevin Love, right? Not nope. giving you off, getting you off of his salary. So it's, you know, you could use them as sweetener, but... You're, you're right. You can't really be making all these picks in the timeline that they're wanting to do. Like you're, the Pistons this year have three second round picks. No way. I don't even know if they're yeah. going to be utilizing all of those. But if you're a team like the Pistons, in the direction that they're going, you might be able to to do so. Have a couple of those guys be two way guys. You know, um, it's it's so yeah. It's, it, it looks tough. Um, I am not super excited with this Cavaliers situation. This is the first kind of situation. I mean, in the in the five teams we talked about in the last pod, uh, I find their situations to be pretty fine and reasonable. Like, mm-hmm. it's they're kind of in reset territory, um, or you kind of know where they're going with, with the exception of uh, Minnesota. That just depends on lottery odds for, for, for their luck. But everyone else is kind of in a fine situation. Cleveland's not. I think Cleveland is in a pretty bad situation uh, going forward until they figure out. I mean, obviously, you get Cade. Also, you know everything. Everything feels, where it everything needs is to be. better. Cade Cunningham, right? You yeah. get Cade, get Mobley. It's all good. But uh, they their process up to this point not been great. So we'll we'll just have to see. All uh, right. Anything else on them before we move to our next team? I already move on to another Central Division team, which makes me think, man, Central Division not so hot these days. That's not but next team though, we got the Chicago Bulls at twenty-six and thirty-eight. This is good for decent eleventh place in the East. A little falling behind in some of the tanking metrics, but it's pretty much gonna go out going at this point, their pick for this year, since we'll get to that later. So core players, Nikola Vucevic, who they got in a trade, Zach Levine, out was out because of health protocol. Patrick Williams, their first-round pick from this past year. Kobe White and Laurie Markkinen, their first-round pick from two years, no, from three years ago. He's in Orlando after the trade. But um, anyone else you think core? I feel like there's a pretty good core. I don't see anyone else that they're kind of moving forward with for the future. I mean, I'm even questionable on the Kobe White, Laurie Markkinen portion. And you, you heard Markkinen's name floated out the deadline. They were trying to get, um, like they were, they were trying to go after. Uh, Lonzo, then they said, all right, we're going to push our chips into the Vucevic basket. And I mean, obviously things have gone south for them since that trade, which it's not all because of that trade, mm-hmm. but, but when still, you, you, kinda... you got to start playing defense a little bit differently. You, yeah. I mean, and, and now Zach Levine and his agent know, Hey, you're going in, you've given up your picks. We're getting the max contract and you're going to give it to us. Otherwise we will threaten to leave. And, you know, Kobe White, they've, had him out of the starting lineup, putting him in the starting lineup, but he's kind of, he's not really a point guard. And, and so I, I don't know if I view those guys as actual core players, but because I, you know, old regime, I think they could easily be moved in, in a trade. Uh, but then you, but then you're bringing back some sort of asset 
back mm-hmm. and and so maybe that that asset is part of the core. I don't know. And that's and that's one thing I want to see with Lord like I think with Kobe White first of all they should realize we pretty much have Ben Gordon 2.0 here, Chicago Bulls Ben Gordon. Like for me, the way his game is, don't you remember like that 2008, 2009 Ben Gordon, like Scorch? Cause that's what uh, I remember because then it became Pistons Ben Gordon. And right you, after. after you guys decided to pay him all that money and you're like, Oh no Pistons. But I feel like Kobe white is for me. I see him like bringing him off the bench, just keep him there. But it just seems like the Bulls can't decide. And Laurie, I mean, Laurie's been picking it up a little bit, but as you said, you kind of feel like, because I, I didn't even hear as much Wendell Carter Jr. rumors before the trade deadline compared to Laurie Markkinen rumors. I heard more Laurie trade scenarios than Wendell Carter Jr. I'm, I mean, part of me was like, they probably thought about putting Laurie in the package for Vucevic, but they're like, no, Laurie would spread the floor better than Wendell Carter Jr. But I think that's an Orlando decision saying, mm-hmm. actually, we would prefer to have Wendell Carter than hmm. Laurie Marketing. Interesting. And so, like, I, that's, I mean, and, and Wendell Carter played uh, better with Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a better situation for him. Yeah. But even uh, you look, you look at, you look at it, it's just like, okay, well, what, what is Laurie Markkinen's, um value if, with this team in particular, with the, with this Bulls team, you look at him and you know, yeah, he's shooting thirty nine percent from three, cool. But could you really pair him with Vooch? Can you? Is is that really what you want to do? With you got Vooch and you know, Levine's not a phenomenal defender. I think that's itself, what, that's so, what's worried about defense. Like you have like no front court defense. I mean, and you can't. That young is is really it. But that and, young is like more of a four than a three at this point in his career. I mean, he's even more of a five than a three yeah. at this point. Like they, they, before, before the trade, they were playing him at the five before, before they got Tyson in there as well. And he's a good, and, uh, and you like him. Like I like that Yen as like a four, like in a small ball lineup. Like he's he does well in that. But you kind of look at it like you're right. Their defense just is not doing that well. And you kind of look at their their stats. I mean, their defensive like they're pretty much immediate like. To me, they're almost the definition of mediocre team. They almost feel like they're in the middle of the pack in a lot of their offense and defense. And a lot of the stuff that they're doing, they're just in the middle of the pack at that point. I mean, they're going to pass the ball well and give you rebounding. I mean, but everything else, they're shooting three-point, two-point. It's there just right in the middle. But you kind of look at the future. So with a team doing a trade this big, and like you mentioned, they're going all in. Like, they have to think to themselves, we went all in, we lost that first-round draft pick. I feel like there are some more trades coming this summer. There has to be because they have to think to themselves, we're going to be giving Levine the max, and we have to kind of make it seem like it's worth it for him to sign the max with us. Because Levine, is he going to be – because I know the Bulls, they got him through trade back in 2017, right, the Jimmy Butler trade. Correct? And then – Yeah, yeah. And then – They've got got his bird rights. Yeah. and you know they've he's he's under contract through next year, but they can start offering him uh, some extensions. And there are some rules on those extensions. Yeah. And so we'll because we'll I, have to see. I thought because I thought I remember that Levine at one point was restricted free agent. The Kings gave him an offer, and then the Bulls matched like four years, eighty million, something like that. Uh, the the uh, the Bulls are the Timberwolves. I can't um, remember at that point. At um, that point, I've, but anyways, they're going to have to pay Levine. And Vucevic, I mean, he's 30 years old. So at this point, as a big man, he's probably only going to get slower. Like, obviously, he's a great basketball player, but you kind of see it as you have these two pieces. They're going to need – they need at least a few more pieces to round up. I, I think – and I'm hoping Patrick Williams defensively can be that a good piece for them. And that's what you hope, Patrick Williams defensively, because he already is – I mean, you look at – to me, he already has the type of body that you can expect, like a good defender, especially at that three. But I don't know, Richard. Like you kind of see what these teams. I think with the Pistons, not the Pistons. Sorry, with the uh, Cavaliers. Sometimes you kind of see. Yeah, they have some pieces, and I think the Bulls' pieces are better than the Cavaliers, obviously. But I kind of feel like this is a team that's going to be fighting to get to the playing game, if anything, like the next few years. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I mean, I think it. I think it, first off, it's been a bad sample mm-hmm. post uh, post trade deadline with Levine having to go out yeah. and and things not really working and you know making a trade and then trying to figure it out on the fly where you're gonna you're having to change what you do defensively, right? I mean, Vucevic has to go drop. He he cannot be someone who's getting 
uh, to the level or, or, or having a hedge you know, strong or soft. Like he's, he's got to be getting back and the bulls guards, you know, have to be able to fight over screens in that situation. Yep. Patrick Williams, you mentioned him. Now, I think ideally this is where kind of marketing gets a squeeze. I think ideally Patrick Williams is a four long term. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it's, it's tough because that move going all in seemed like a move toward just general competence, but not toward, um, you know, not toward anything, uh, you know, where we're, I don't think that we're really pushing ourselves into home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think so. I think at, at, at best it's pushing us into that, you know, five through, uh, you know, five on down uh, as far as the seeding in the playoffs. And so the tough part is that there's not a bad contract. There's not one single bad contract yeah. on this team. Um, not yet anyways. They've got $100 million wrapped up next year, and then it's down to 60 but then that's when the Zach Levine extension is going to kick in. Which is and, probably going to take up. And you think he's going to get the full max from them? Yeah, I think that he's got the leverage. If not, then he's going to play out the year, um, you know, play out next year at nineteen and a half million, and then be an unrestricted free agent. So, yeah, they're going to have to offer him the full max. Their agent's going to say, "You gave up two first round picks. Do you, you know, I know the top four protected, but like, do you really want to risk not having Levine and and having that?" having that situation be as bad as it possibly could be so or potentially could be so like yeah they're gonna have to offer him i think the max um the, the max extension that he could possibly get so that's that's the tough part here mm-hmm. um i think i don't know i mean we don't know if we talk about draft picks but really there's just some second round swaps this year and next year uh they have the right to swap with the pelicans but i don't even think i mean they're neck and neck and neck as far as the tanking just a little yeah, bit standing it's not going to matter it's not really going to impact anything um but the things that matter are you know top four protected pick this year going to orlando and then two years after that whatever it conveys then you've got the top four first round pick which currently is 2023 you know, but i think most likely that going out, i think but. most likely this year's one is the one that's going to fall out of the top four but you never know what the way the draft lottery is these days yeah, right now at their spot, mm-hmm. they've got a 29% chance to keep that pick, mm-hmm. top four. So, it's 70% there. chance at the moment where they're not. And they're in this weird spot where they, in theory, want to make the playing game, but Washington's on fire, right? The, the Pacers just, again, destroyed <laughs> destroyed a team, still only one, vic- still only one win. Mm-hmm. But you, you look at them, you're like, well, man, you're like a full three games out on – on the on the Wizards and like you kind of see yeah even more and then you see the Hornets are probably going to pick it up a little bit with Lamelo Ball coming back and you see like Miami's been picking it up a little bit too so it's they're probably going to be the yeah, one I mean, you're not catching those teams yeah it's it's Washington or Indiana yeah and I mean Indiana's four and a half games up on them and we're, we're talking about like the last ten to twelve games of the season like, that's tough that's hard to make up especially with Washington playing. Uh, you know, they're eight and two in their last 10 Washington is. And so you just look at the bulls like, man, that's that you're in a really, really tough situation. And, um, it's potentially a little bit unfair. It's like, you know, you made the trade like Minnesota last year, like you made a trade and then you really didn't get to see Russell play with towns, right? You make this trade. You really don't get to see much Vooch and Levine, uh, before the end of the year. Uh, but Neither neither one of those trades is really putting you in position to actually compete. So I think it's tough. Um, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see because they, they didn't they didn't think they would be here. They thought they would be in the play in at least pushing pushing forward. And so that's tough. For but the COVID, man, that's the way it is. All right, well, let's go ahead and head out of the Central Division and go to the Tampa Bay Raptors real quick. Sitting at 26 and 38 in 12th place currently. Now, core players, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, Ogiana Newby, Gary Trent Jr. Did you mean to write it with an F? No, I didn't. Okay. Gary Trent Jr., Malachi Flynn, Chris Boucher, question mark, Cal Lowry. Is he going to stick around at this point? Now, with their core players, obviously two years removed from the championship, just looking at this team with the Raptors, 
I mean, first of all, it's been funky. I mean, anytime you tell a team we're going to transplant you in a different location and call it your home games, it's already you're asking for a funky type of season. But is it me or does it still seem like Pasco Siakam is just sliding further and further away from all-star form? Like, I've been looking to see, like, what's been going on, like, some of his stats. I mean, they aren't horrible, but... I feel like Pascal Siakam is, I'm finding out he's more, he's better suited to be like a third, your third best player on a team. I don't know. How do you feel about, about him on the Raptors right now? I mean, I, he was the second slash third mm-hmm. best player. I mean, third, fourth, I mean, that, that Raptors team was, you know, Kawhi and then a, a bunch of other guys like, yeah. uh, you know, Lowry and, and you yeah. know, everyone kind of had their moment. And, and so they like, that's who he is. And that's probably who he will continue to be. But now you're kind of thrusting him into the number one guy. It's just not who he is. Yeah. And so I I think it's fine. It's just now you're giving him, you know, that, uh, you know, max uh, extension, the, the, the mini one. It's I think it's fine. The, you know, and if they would have been able to go ahead and I mean, they were planning for Giannis, they were planning for, you know, some of those guys. And obviously that's not coming to fruition. Well, if you had that, then, OK, yeah, he's fitting better into his role as, you know, a secondary tertiary guy. And I think that could be fine. The problem is we're just not seeing that uh, and we're not seeing that role. And, you know, some tough misses at the end of games and you know, showing up on Twitter and people saying, oh, well, you know, he, he can't finish. He's not, you know. People are sitting on his moves. He's shooting poorly this year from three. Yeah, all, all that's fair. Um, but, you know, you look at this Raptors team overall, and it, it's it, – they're kind of in a state of flux, right? They, they could turn over a new leaf, but they chose not to trade Kyle Lowry at the deadline. So it's, well, is Kyle Lowry going to re-sign there? And, and so when you look at this overall, it's – they don't have any current bad contracts right now unless you want to call – Pascal's uh, extension currently a bad contract. Maybe maybe it'll end up looking that way because you know what's the point other yeah. than just to be you know a a reasonable team that's not totally tanking. Yeah, and is Kyle Lowry's next contract going to be? That's bad? what I was wondering too. I don't know, but it seems like a lot of the rumors have been saying that they're going to look to move him or not. Re- and that, I think that's most likely. I think they're probably going to ask. I think I think I read an article where it said. They asked Kyle, would he be okay staying this year? And Kyle was kind of like, yeah, you can go ahead and move me this summer. And kind of see what's going to happen. He can be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Mm-hmm. But there's always the signing trade potential. Because yeah. if you look at teams that are going to actually have, um, you know, cap space this year that would be able to sign Lowry. Like, you're not looking at teams. Like, looking at Dallas is probably, you know, Dallas, I guess you could, the Knicks could if they really wanted to, depending on how much money they want to throw. I mean, the Spurs probably aren't doing that with the guards that they have. And so you look around and it's, okay, well, maybe Miami, Dallas, or, or, or the Knicks would, you know, be trying to contend to some variety. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't want to go to those teams, then it's the sign-and-trade option is available, right? You can sign him to a deal, trade him to a particular team that he wants to go to and get something in return. Maybe it's more than what you would have gotten this year just because the matching salary would have been would have been difficult. And maybe that's a little bit easier to do and figure out in the offseason. So I, who knows? Um, maybe, maybe they'll be fine. Maybe they won't be. But overall, you know, they gave Fred VanVleet that new contract. Um yeah, OG and Obi extended. Gary Trent Jr. is going to be on the table this offseason. So, and Chris Boucher, he is as well a, you know, he's played well. He's older than you think he is. But, uh, you know, he's up uh, after next season. Next season is kind of a non-guaranteed uh, situation for him. But Yeah, and one thing, I, one thing I've been liking, I think, like you talked about Gary Trent Jr., I think he's been showcasing himself very well as well he's been having some strong games with the raptors so overall though this team it kind of seems like they got put in a hard situation with their location and their players i mean they don't have like any outstanding players and they did lose i mean i think losing ibaka did hurt them more than i think a gasol hurt them but 
I think at the end of the day, though, it wouldn't have like a long, like a big effect on where the record is now. I don't think Ibaka would have been like, oh, now we're in playoff contention, we're a playoff team. But looking at them, I mean, their their cap situation, they go from 89 million to 85, and then we got some, I believe, a contract kicking in in 2023-24 because it goes back up to 91 million. I think that yeah, you, you're you're just hitting some, you know, eight percent raises that are happening with the Siakam for Van Vliet deals, the Ananobi deal, like all of those just kind of you know go up a little bit, but they're the only ones on the book, so that's why you kind of have that weird oh, it goes down, then it goes back up. So it's it's just it's just a matter of those are the only guys in the books, and and it's you know everyone's getting bumped up by eight percent. Uh, or five percent. So yeah, and and draft picks. Not much going on in draft picks. I mean, they're getting Golden State and Memphis's second from this year, and they're going to be losing their own second and their own second for next year, and their second from twenty four. Those those three are all outgoing. Those are your yeah. Tampa Bay Raptors, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, the question for them is just kind of how do how do they handle the Kyle Lowry mm, situation? Yeah. Um, you know, could do you get lucky with I mean, if if you if you're the Raptors and you continue this kind of tank job again, you've got a 29% chance of being in the top four and getting one of these, uh, you know, getting one of these guys here as a 6.7% shot at Cade Cunningham, <laughs> and so you're not very good this year. But if you can get one of those top guys and begin kind of a you know a, a really quickly retool, then you know maybe you can be in the process, you know, be on the uh, Road to success um, again, right? You get yourself back in playoff contention. Uh, it's just they're at a, kind of a crossroads here, and with Masai not being under contract for next year, that being a big, you know, kind of cloud hanging over their situation. Uh, you know, they've extended the assistant GM, but Masai doesn't have a contract. So I, that that'll be interesting to see, kind of how that ha- how that yeah ha- what happens going forward with with them. Um, so. All right. Sacramento. Let's go out west. Yeah, they're currently um, 26 and 37. Wrote the wrong thing on the dock. Uh, But they're they're, uh, quite a few games behind the Western Conference team for the play-in, right? San Antonio currently has that spot, and they're about five and a half games back. Probably not making it happen. So they're... They're in a situation where they've been a whole bunch, right? Trying to push for the playoffs, not quite making it. Um, you know, they were able to get Halliburton, who we we liked. You know, everyone now talks about how, oh, yeah, we, we liked Halliburton. We, 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 we had him up there. Yeah. And he slid. They got him. Sure. Uh, so they got there. Fox, Halliburton as their uh, really main core guys. And then just some guys that just contract-wise end up being – potentially core players, you know, Buddy Heald, he's there for a while. Harrison Barnes, you know, they chose not to trade him uh, at the deadline, uh, even though he was sought after. So you could imagine him being part of, you know, the core, or if they end up trading him this offseason, you know, then that person, whoever they get in, whatever assets they get in, that person's part of the core. And then they got a Rashawn Holmes decision to make this offseason, right? I was an unrestricted free agent. Um, You know, do you throw some money at him? It's... It's a curious situation for them, yeah. Because they keep finding themselves in this spot, and a lot of it kind of stems from the Marvin Bagley draft, where you had opportunities and options to go out and you know get a guy, but they didn't want that duplicative nature because they thought, oh, we've got Deer and Fox, we don't want to step on his toes. Kind of like the situation that we were potentially describing in the. With Cleveland, right? You've got your guards. Mm-hmm. Are these the guys long term? Okay, if they are, then that prohibits us from drafting these players. Let's go ahead and, and get Bagley. Even though, like again, I know I was out on Bagley since the beginning. Um, but even so, people who weren't out on Bagley, a lot of them were thinking, you know, Luka Doncic is, is pretty good. Um, you know, but it's one of the so, things where NBA history has taught us that even if you have a player at that position, but you know you can draft a player in the same position that could be just as good if not better you go ahead and do that one of the classic examples is going back to 1984 draft the blazers could have drafted michael jordan but they're like now we have clyde drexler already we're gonna be fine it's okay 
and you kind of see it with this. I mean, I don't know if you remember, you probably remember the controversy surrounding the Kings pick, Vlade Divac. It came out that like he didn't really want to get Luca, all this stuff, and people were like, why? Why wouldn't you want to get it? And you kind of, I think a lot of people kind of felt they're like, all right, the Bagley pick is not the worst pick, but. You can, I thought it was the worst pick. Oh boy, you uh, you gotta <laughs> put it in there. I mean, there, there there are receipts. There are receipts. I know. I I've been on this. I've been on this bag of bag for a while. I was like, and I mean, yeah, you got Fox. And I mean, but, we're, we're, but, wasn't there like a rumor too as well that they were trying to trade Bagley to the Pistons? Oh yeah, I mean they they they, they said hey we'll trade Bagley for Sadiq Bay and we were like no just stop. You were like if you're gonna we're, do that you better give us some first round picks. Give us those first I mean, rounds. It's, yeah, it's just just just. You hang up the phone at that point, and that—that's the situation. Usually, yeah, bad contracts. Yeah, and that kind of—I saw—I sorry, I saw you put Bagley in the bad contracts. Doesn't bring that up, but you go ahead. Well, again, I made the doc, so this is this is my own thing. Now, usually, we do not put players with one year on their contract in the bad contract situation. That's just generally because you know you can get off of it. But I look at Bagley as, uh, you know, one year, eleven million dollars left in this. You know, rookie deal. Uh, before you've got to figure out the restrictive free agent situation, but they, I think it's pretty clear that you're offering, you know, you're, you're offering to trade him away in the middle of the season. He's not getting much time. He's awful defensively, and it's just it's a problem. And it, I feel like at this point you would have, I and mean, we saw this, like you are going to have to attach an asset. I think to move off of him and get a get some player back. I mean, I'm sure that there is a team who wouldn't mind getting Bagley, but you're not going to trade an asset for him. You're not going to do that right when you've got to extend him and he's been so poor. Like, these teams are going to say, yeah, we're just going to wait out the year. And if we want him, then we'll go sign him in restricted free agency because we know that you're not going to, you're not going to match. So you you know that you can probably get him on a deal that's going to be much smaller. If you trade for him now, then it's then it's the, well, you traded an asset away for him. You've given leverage to, uh, you know, other teams. You've given leverage to, uh, you know, the uh, the agent. So I, I, I just see him as, with his particular situation, and them being at $111 million already allotted for next year, like, you, you're, you're in a really bad situation with him. And he's preventing you from, uh, you know, making some moves. And you've got attached assets. I just, I view him as a bad contract, even though usually we're not throwing one-year deals on the bad contract. I just think for them in particular, it's it's really tough. I know, uh, talking about the Buddy Hill contract, I know we, we look at that three or 60 million. Remember the whole fiasco last year? He's like, I want out of here. It's either pick me or Bogdanovich. And part of me is like, maybe they should have gone with the other guy instead of Buddy Hill, but neither here nor there. Um, I think at this point, I mean, you kind of look at Buddy. He was He's 28 years old. I believe, I, I remember he was older when he came into the draft in 2016. That's what I do remember. And you kind of look at him and it's like, He's a guy I think Sacramento's kind of just like, well, he's not horrible on our team. He's still a good shooter. Let's go ahead and just keep him there for now. But I think if they would have had the chance to move him, like something more sure, I think they would have gone ahead and, and done that with Buddy Hill. I don't, that's how I feel with him. Given, though, I am interested to see why the Fox there, De'Aaron Fox has been having a pretty good season this year, but saying maybe it's a bad contract. I think he just signed his extension, right? Yeah, so he just signed his extension there. I mean, depending on, I think, how things go this year with awards, I don't think he's getting the awards that would bump that up. Um, but the, the I don't think it's a bad contract because you, you could trade him and get a return from him or, or for him, right? Like, he's going to be a positive value guy probably on that contract or at least equaling the value at least initially so the, the problem is that it's the kings and if you've got issues at other spots at your roster and if fox doesn't continue to, to make those improvements it, it's tough but but any but teams would trade for him so i i can't totally put in the bad contract it's just you now extended him you've given him i believe on that contract uh 
I believe he has a potential um, uh, player. I think that fourth year is a player option, uh, if I if I remember correctly. Or maybe he was. Maybe he was the only one who actually had a the five-year extension. He has a five-year extension. Full five-year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he wasn't one of those guys. Uh, I think, yeah, M- Mitchell and uh, Ingram, um, Bam, Bam, you know, got, got, got those uh, fifth-year options. So it's – we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's – they got to make a decision on Rashawn Holmes, and they don't have tons of money this year, right? They – Again, if they didn't have Bagley, then they could re-sign Rashawn Holmes and bring in another person for the mid-level, but without going over the tax. But now you probably can't do that. So it's tough. We'll we'll see. Maybe 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 they move off of Harrison Barnes, and and that's the way that they kind of do a retool. And uh, but having Tyrese Halliburton is nice, but there are other spots in the roster where you've got issues. Yep. Um, uh, we should we should mention their. Uh, Draft picks. I think you mentioned. Do you mention those incoming? No, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't mention those. The seconds, just second round picks. They got a fake Atlanta second <laughs> coming in, uh, in 2022. I just, just mentioned that's just one of those top 55 protected ones. And yeah, Atlanta's not going to be the best team in the league. Um, they are going to get the worst of uh, Detroit or Chicago's 2022 second rounder, 2024 Portland, and 2025 Portland second round picks coming in, and their own seconds are going out in 22 and 24. So. That's the Sacramento Kings situation. It's another kind of uh, tough one. But they got a new regime, which, you know, early results have been mixed, right? Yeah. Halliburton, great. You know, losing Bogdanovich uh, in blundering that whole thing to Milwaukee where you could have had DiVincenzo. Oh, that's tough. That was tough. And then I still don't think Luke Walton is that good of a coach, too, by the way. No, he's not. He's not. Um, okay. Last one. Pelicans. This one is this one's interesting. So obviously core players, Zion, Brandon Ingram, uh, those are kind of the top tier of their guys. And then we've got well, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Kyra Lewis, um, Jackson Hayes, being first round picks that they've had recently that are locked up, um, you know, for a relatively long period of time. Then you got Lonzo Ball, who again is a restricted free agent this year. You could keep him. He's he's had kind of an up and down and back up again type of, of season, and uh, he's shot relatively well. And you know, it's he's if you're shooting thirty eight percent, that's good for Lonzo Ball. But again, you've got some limitations in the in the half court with him. If he's your primary point guard, but guess what? You got Zion who can do a lot of ball handling and, and stuff as well. So who knows? We'll see if he's part of the long term. And then Steven Adams, they extended him two years, thirty-four million dollars after this, which is kind of a it was kind of a head scratching yeah. move at the time. Um, you know, it's not tons of money, but it, it, they don't have tons of flexibility uh, or, or room going forward. And I, mean, I think we all like. I mean, maybe you didn't because being a Patriots fan, but. I know Ethan and I liked the Miles Turner, um, you know, stretch five type of guy better. So, you know, better, better than the Adams. I mean, they've figured out offensively, hey, Zion, you can be kind of a point guard um, a lot of the time. And, you know, they're, they're 10th on offensive rating this year and they're 27th in defensive rating. And that's what Steven Adams was brought in to kind of help and solidify and, well, if you're not doing that, then I mean, I know it's not his fault. Like, I know, I know, in the non-Stephen Adams minutes, like that's when it's been awful. Yeah. But it's it's kind of tough. I don't. So I don't know. I'm not totally sure as far as their core players, and I don't know if their core players totally fit. Like, I feel like the Zion, Brandon Ingram, kind of Stephen Adams and Jackson Hayes. You kind of look at those, and you kind of look at. At them, you're like, how is it? Because you think about, all right, what's an ideal starting lineup? And sometimes you look at it, and I think Zion, even at times, wouldn't be that bad as a small five. Like that, that's that'll be more. But I know for defensively, it's tough. Yeah, defensively, that's the right only now. thing. But like, as he gets older, I mean, that's what you expect. But you look at it like, all right, so let's let's roll out their starting lineup. I mean, you have Eric Bledsoe. I think I think do Eric Bloodstone and Lonzo Ball normally share the backcourt for them? 
I mean, Bledsoe's again had a had a had a tough go up of it. I mean, he's started sixty two games this season, so he's he's basically been their starting guard. He started the most games for them this this whole year, and Lonzo and all the games he's played, he started as well. So like those those two have gotten most of the starts this season at guard. Yeah, and then you look at it, obviously you want to have Brandon Ingram and Zion, and, and you kind of look at their, even their two guys, Zion and Brandon Ingram, like how well do those fit to, how well do those two fit together? And there's times in which they don't fit that well together on the basketball court. You see them two interacting, and then, and then what's been interesting is just how them reacting to Stan Van Gundy. I mean, there was the infamous game against the Knicks where they left, I think it was Reggie Bullock open for three, and Stan was like, that's elementary defense at that point. And then you kind of saw the Pelicans. I think someone brought up how, like, Stan went to give a, a fist bump to Brandon Ingram after a good play. And Brandon Ingram just ignored him. And, like, the players began tuning him out. And you kind of see, like, what is this team going? I mean, because I think teams who have the number one pick and get a player like Zion, they're almost on a on a timer until that player decides – is this team good enough or should I just take my talent somewhere else where I know a team is better built? And I think that's how they viewed it because Zion's been having a monster season. Like he's been doing really good, but you kind of think about like Pelicans, like David Griffin for all, all he's been, all he's been able to do those first round draft picks. You kind of see it. It's like this team is like we said, is the reason why the mediocre brand of teams, some of these acquisitions have not been helping them out that much. There's just really not an excuse why you can't be involved in the play. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. Um, I mean, again, it's like some of these decisions by the NBA, which you know are meant just for in general. They're trying trying to boost the, um, you know, make certain things matter more, and uh, you know, trying to make teams have you know disincentivize tanking and, but. A lot of them kind of seem like decisions made to get Zion into playoff types of situations, right? You think about the bubble last year and the amount, of the, the types of teams that got invited, and we're, we're inviting this many so that Zion can be involved uh, in, in the bubble, or and where we're we're doing the expanded play-in tournament because things looked pretty well with the bubble, and, and so let's try to do this, uh, and you know, because the West is tough, but you know Zion and his team could definitely make the play-in game, and that could be fun. Oh, guess we can't even we're missing out on that too. So, uh, so like it's, it's, it's kind of tough cause they should be there, but I just think that a lot of this goes to trying to figure out right, what is Zion? How do I play him? You mentioned a five, but they like playing him a little bit more the one offensively. And I would view him as a four defensively yeah. right now. And he's gotten, he's working his way to be in a better position. It's just, it's weird that he's not been as great defensively as I thought that, you know, that was one of his things at Duke that, uh, made him such an interesting prospect. Like it was like the oh, he's just like a going to be a way more explosive offensively, Draymond Green type of type of thing. But that defensive is just not even close. Not even not even close defensively. Brandon Ingram it's, again. It's just this team doesn't totally make sense. You know, we like some of their guys like Nikhil Alexander Walker, like Kyra Lewis. Um, and a person we haven't mentioned, Josh Hart. He's also along with Lonzo Ball going to be um, you know available as a restricted free agent. I don't think they can bring back everybody. Nope. Uh, I mean, are you really then trying to lock yourself in long-term to this team with Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart? I mean, maybe you just do it so that you don't lose the asset and then you've got all these draft picks, which I don't even mean. A lot, a lot of things we could read. Uh, you know, the draft picks, like there's first-round picks. They've got all the Los Angeles picks and first-round swaps and stuff they get. I don't want to read everything here. They've got they've got some seconds coming in as well, uh, and they've got some Milwaukee first swaps. You know the, the Drew Holiday package. So like you've got all those things coming in, but the Lakers and and Milwaukee look to be really good. So these are picks of the twenties um, going forward, at least until we get really far out there. And yeah, like it's I don't I don't know. They're in they're in a tough situation this offseason. I think that we'll know a little bit more but again decisions that they've made um with steven adams in particular and just trying to figure out what does this look like i just think that the actual iteration of the pelicans that looks good i i wonder if it's a zion and brandon ingram or if brandon ingram ends up being the sacrificial lamb in moving him out to get another 
high level player, whoever that, that may be. That's what I can see. Because obviously they look at Zion and they're like, he's the future. I mean, as soon as Zion got drafted, you kind of got that sense. Like, and he started playing, you're like, he's the future for the Pelicans. And I don't think those two are going to coexist that well. And I wouldn't be surprised. It's just you would want to get it because he's an obviously Brandon Ingram's an all star level player. You want to get someone back of that caliber. So the question is, who are they going to get? And what they're going to do is just get more first round draft picks, probably. Knowing David Griffin, probably going to get more first rounds, but you better get a good player in return or Zion's going to be like, I can't wait for all these first. You can't just put first round draft picks around me, especially if they're going to get picks in the 20s. You rarely get really, really good players in the 20s. I mean, you mainly get like you might get a good bench player, role player, but you're not you rarely get all stars at that point. I mean, it's fine Mm -hmm. if you get a pick in the 20s, if you're a good team Mm -hmm. and because guess what? You're good. And so it's just it makes more sense but if you're trying to trade that away to in theory you're, you're trading away with maybe a team that isn't as good and and you know maybe so i mean i know bradley beal is you know we'll talk about the wizards uh on the next pod but you know he's slated to be in washington for a while that's that's the kind of people are saying that that he wants to stay there and uh that's the message from the front office yeah. but like okay if if it was a Bradley Beal situation, like, okay, that's going to be a, a team if you trade Bradley Beal, you're not going to be very good. Maybe you'd want to lock, lock up somebody, have somebody long-term, like a Brandon Ingram. and But then these picks that you'd, I mean, you'd have to attach a lot of picks. You'd probably have to attach your own as opposed to these Lakers-Milwaukee picks because I guess what a bad team's like, okay, well, what's what's a pick in the, I mean, I'll take a pick in the, in the, in the late 20s, but like, that's not moving the needle for me as much as a pick that I know is going to be uh, a lottery you know, pick. around the lottery yeah. or in the lottery. So I I don't know. It's The Pelicans are in an interesting situation. Uh, they don't have many picks going out, just a couple of random swaps and, and protected seconds and things that really don't matter. But with, the, with this Pelicans team, they really have to figure out who their core players are. And they got to figure out what it looks like going forward. Uh, how I mean Zion being the weird player that he is, that's tough. I mean he's he's an amazing player who's had an amazing year so far, but figuring out what the rest of that roster looks like uh, around a around Zion, that's a team that's contending. That's we'll have to see. We'll have to see what that looks like. Um, but they're gonna have some decisions this offseason to make. So, and I think that covers our mediocre teams. Yep, coming up, we'll, I mean, and yeah, what we said, we'll, we'll talk about some teams that are vying for the uh, play-in. Um, we'll, we'll get to that next time, and we'll continue working our way through uh, in some of the state of the franchise teams. So, nice. Uh, Elkin, good talk with you. Always a pleasure.